Uh, tomorrow is the big day. Uh, I'm excited about the word God has placed on my heart for tomorrow. Uh, I'll see you at 3, 5, or 8. Uh, this morning is the fourth message in the series, God with Us. And we've been focusing on the implications of the incarnation all Advent long. Matthew 1.23 has kind of been our theme verse. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And today I, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that, that isn't really part of the Christmas story, but it has a message of hope that I think God brings to us through being with us. Uh, the story gives us a glimpse into a season of absolute exhaustion in a prophet's life. And what's interesting about this season is that this wilderness season, so to speak, follows a mountaintop experience that the prophet has with God. And sometimes life can be like that. You know, your family's coming in for Christmas, and you know you're going to have a wonderful time. Gifts, food, lots of laughs, and catching up with people you don't see all the time. But at some point, you know it's going to catch up to you, especially if you lean more on the introverted side of the spectrum. Constant people wear you out. It's not that you regret it. It's not that you wouldn't do it again, because you will. <laughs> Next year, you'll do it all over again. But you know when everyone goes home and you're staring at a pile of linens and a house that was hit by a three-year-old and two twin tornado girls. Okay, so I might be talking about my parents when our kids were little. <laughs> I, I still think it takes a little bit for my parents to recover after we visit. But my point is, just because you were on one of those mountaintop experiences doesn't mean that you're going to stay there. Sometimes, oftentimes, you come down, you face reality, you enter the wilderness. Even Jesus had a wilderness experience after a mountaintop experience. As Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, he got to hear the voice of his father. And it was a voice of affirmation. God said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. The skies opened up the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and God told his son what every son longs to hear from his father. I love you, and I'm proud of you. It was a mountaintop experience. But the very next verse says this, Then Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. That mountaintop experience where he was baptized in the Jordan lasted moments. Maybe, maybe 15 minutes, half hour tops. The wilderness, it says in the next verse, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. I'm sure at the end of that 40 days, Jesus was absolutely exhausted. He wasn't just hungry. You've had these transitions in your life too. Things are going honest or so you, or things are going awesome or so you thought, and then you find out somebody wasn't being honest with you. And all of a sudden, you're in the wilderness and you're emotionally 
exhausted. Life is good, and then your car breaks down, and you use your entire savings on the repair bill. Now you're stressed and losing sleep. The relationship that you thought was going well takes a turn, and you're not sure what's going to happen. Sometimes in those seasons, you even try to talk to people, let them know how you're doing, which is important, but they don't always understand. And sometimes you feel alone and spiritually spent. Not everyone comes through those seasons defeating the devil at every turn using the Word of God like Jesus did. And what I want to do this morning is share a principle that I hope becomes a reality in our lives. And here it is. The time of your greatest need, the time of my greatest need can become a gift if it drives you, if it drives me to depend on God. And the story we're going to look at this morning is found in 1 Kings 19. And Elijah the prophet has just been used by God in like a miraculous way. He had literally been on a mountaintop with God. And it was amazing. God used him to display that he was the only true God. The, the prophets of the, the God Baal had led the Lord's people away from him. And it was time for a showdown. So we have two altars, two bulls, and two gods. And the winner is the God who can light fire to the altar without any help from men. No matches, no torches, no gasoline allowed. And the prophet Baal went first. They had no luck convincing Baal to cooperate. They yelled, they screamed, they cut themselves, they begged for hours. As Elijah looked on and said, uh, maybe Baal's sleeping? Maybe he took a trip? and is unavailable. At one point he said, maybe he went to use the restroom and is relieving himself instead of hearing your prayer right now. It's a great story. If you have time this week, it is worth the effort. 1 Kings 19. When it's Elijah's turn to talk to God, he has water poured on the altar. He has a trench dug around it. He has water poured on the altar three different times, and it literally creates a moat of water around the altar. And the instant Elijah prayed, the bull is gone, the rocks that the altar were made of are gone. The water is gone. And the people all shout, the Lord is God. Elijah then kills 450 prophets of Baal with the sword. It is a mountaintop experience where he is used by God, and God and Elijah were victorious. Well, then the king went and told his wife, Ahab tells Jezebel everything that Elijah just did, and she is not impressed. In fact, she issues a death threat against the prophet. She says, you send word to Elijah that by this time tomorrow, he's going to be dead just like all those prophets that he just killed. And you would think that her husband, the king, would say, honey, do you really think that's a great idea? 
He just killed 450 prophets with the sword himself. You would think that Elijah would say, I would like to see her try. But he doesn't. Instead, he fears for his life and he runs away. Let me read 1 Kings 19, picking up with verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah, just to put this in some context, Elijah ran a hundred miles to get away from this crazy queen. He, he is tired, he is exhausted, and he is now in the wilderness. Even though just a hundred miles ago, he was on the mountaintop. Did, did you see the, the tired, exhausted, wilderness language? I've had enough, Lord. That's it. I'm done. So many of us have been there at some point in life. If something just pushes us over the hedge and we say, that's it, I'm done, time out, stick a fork in me, forget it. After what had just happened with Elijah and God, it really doesn't make sense. And to give you some more context on what Elijah had seen God do, he had stood up against the king's sin. He prophesied a drought and it didn't rain. The king goes on a manhunt for him for three years. And all during that time, the Lord protects him, feeds him. God uses Elijah to raise a boy from the dead. He stood up in the face of all those prophets. He calls for it not to rain. It doesn't. He calls for it to rain, and then it does. Elijah has experienced the presence and the power of God. But one woman says, I'm going to kill you. And he runs for his life. All the guys in the room are looking straight ahead. Not even funny. What are you talking about, Pastor Steve? We've been there. Uh, my wife's not here this morning, so I can say that. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, seems appropriate. She's mad, and he's getting out of dodge. Sometimes we enter the wilderness because we're afraid. Other times, we're just tired. But I think, I think this was more than just being tired. Sometimes I think we need to slow down and let God renew us in spirit. I think Elijah would have been exhausted after running 100 miles. I've done 26.2, and that's enough. But I think he's more than just tired or a nap would have fixed this. I think Elijah was spiritually exhausted from trying to call God's people to repentance, 
to speaking to their hearts for so long for them to worship the Lord and turn from idols. We get there too. When you've been working on a marriage that just isn't working, when you, when you don't think you can go to work one more day because you hate it, when your kids have you at the end of your rope and your heart just aches for them, when you've tried and tried and it doesn't seem to be having any effect, I think that's exactly how Elijah felt. In those stretches of life, we need to be close to God, a God who makes all things new. We need his presence with us. It's then that the time of your greatest need can become a gift as it drives you to depend on God. In those intimate moments with God, we experience his love, his mercy, and his grace. And honestly, sometimes uh, you just need to sleep. It is amazing how God can change your perspective through a good night's sleep. But there are times when sleep alone isn't enough. You need the Lord to renew your soul. I want to pick back up with the story of Elijah. When we left him, he was ready to die. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And I find God's response to all this comforting because Elijah is tired, he's exhausted, and God doesn't say like, hey, suck it up. Uh, he provides food and water and rest. Sometimes the most spiritually ordained God thing you can do is rest in the presence of God. Uh, I don't mean sleep in church, so try to keep your eyes open. Uh, but God knew Elijah needed rest and sleep and nourishment. It, if you're like me, sometimes when I sit down, I kind of feel guilty. Because my mind races with all the things that I should probably be doing except, instead of sitting down. But sometimes, the most spiritual thing that you can do is rest in the presence of God. To sit, eat, sleep, and enjoy God being with you. To pray and just listen for his voice. That food that gave, God gave to Elijah strengthened him for what was coming next. He went to the mountain of God, right up into the heart of God's presence. He rests some more in a cave, and then God speaks to him. Let's pick back up with verse 9. And then the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He's afraid, he's tired, 
and his ministry. What His work isn't going well. And the people are rejecting God and running after false gods, and it is crushing him in spirit. They are not making worshiping God a priority. All his peers are dead. He's at the end of the rope. And God says, and God is really blunt, God says, what are you doing here? I don't know if God ever speaks to you like that, smacks you in the head with a two-by-four before, but God says, what are you doing here? I think what God is asking is, why are you running from this crazy woman when you know I am on your side? Why aren't you calling my people back? That's your job. Why are you here? Elijah issues this complaint before God. And God speaks to him. I want to pick back up with verse 11. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This is the moment. While Elijah is in the wilderness, hurting, tired, feeling alone, frustrated, he receives a gift. He hears the voice of God in an audible way. He, he, as he stood before the Lord, God's voice wasn't in the earthquake or the wind or the fire. It was not in those remarkable displays of power, but in the gentle whisper. When we're exhausted, God speaks in a gentle whisper because he's close. He's near. And sometimes it takes being at the point of your greatest need, the point where you say, I have had enough. It's then when you receive the gift of his presence. As we head into Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, as we move past that, and many of us experience the low in a house full of linens that looks like it got hit by a tornado, I pray God would speak to you in a still, small voice. As you gather with friends, I pray that you would hear his whisper. As you look across a room filled with wrapping paper, as you look down a table full of the blessings of God, I pray you would hear his voice. Whether you have been in a wilderness season or a mountaintop experience, I pray that you would eat and rest and enjoy the presence of God. That God would renew your spirit, restore your soul in this season. That he would renew your love for one another and for the world. He is with you. He will never leave you. You don't need to run or be anxious for anything. Why does God whisper? Because he's close. And in his presence, we learn that our deepest need becomes a gift when it drives us to depend on him. On a personal note, I want to say thank you. Uh, 
Lisa had surgery on Monday. Uh, thank you for your prayers, uh, for those who checked in on us, uh, for those who brought meals. Uh, to be honest, I complained a little bit like Elijah. I thought, Lord, this is the absolute worst time for Lisa to have surgery. It's the week before her birthday. She does not want to be laid up for Christmas. And it's like a really busy time, God. But none of us gets to choose the path that we are on and when. Sometimes we find ourselves in places we don't want to be. Your prayers this week were a reminder that God is with us. God is close. May you hear his whisper and his love this day. If you, the praise team would come forward. Um, if you would just stand for a moment uh, and listen for that gentle whisper of God as I pray. God, we give you thanks that, that you speak to us in a gentle whisper. And God, as we stand in your presence, we pray that we would hear the voice of a father. With you, I am pleased. God, you're proud of us. You love us. As we model your love for the world and as we receive you into our heart and into our life, God, this Christmas, may you draw near and speak in a still small voice. And may we know that you are close. In Jesus' name.